Don't you love that kind of rolling from one into another and then back out and into another one? I like that. I like that. Uh, whatever that's called, I like that, Ken. That's good. Well, you look so good this morning, I tell you. Don't I look good? No tie. Can you believe it? Some of you can't believe it. I can't believe it. But anyway, we're getting ready to have a miracle at the picnic. Well, that's going to be my sermon topic this morning, and it kind of fits in with what I think might start happening at 1230. Miracle at the picnic. Be finding John chapter 6. John chapter 6. And let your eyes fall down to verse 5, and we'll read through verse 14. John 6, beginning in verse 5. When Jesus then lifted up his eyes and saw a great company come unto him, he saith unto Philip, When shall we buy bread that these may eat? And this he said, to test or to prove him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, Two hundred pennyworth of bread is not sufficient for them, that every one of them may take a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, saith unto him, There's a lad here, which hath five barley loaves and two small fishes, but what are they among so many? And Jesus said, Make the men sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down, the number about five thousand. And Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed to the disciples and the disciples to them that were set down, and likewise of the fishes as much as they would. And when they were filled, he said unto his disciples, Gather up the fragments that remain, that nothing be lost. Therefore they gathered them together and filled twelve baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves, which remained over and above unto them that had eaten. Then those men, when they did, when they had seen the miracle that Jesus did, said, This is of a truth, that prophet that should come into the world. This is a story that we've all heard uh, since we were small children. It's a story of the feeding of the 5,000. And I believe it's a perfect backdrop to what we want to think about on this particular day in the life of this wonderful church. Now, folks, let me just admit something to you that you probably already know. Maybe you don't. I'm a country boy. Oh, I know I look like a city slicker, but I'm a country boy. I grew up in the country. In fact, when I was a small boy, my mom and dad moved to town, and town had 250 people in it. We thought we were really something when we moved into town. But I'm a country boy. And so I revert back to my country upbringing throughout my life. I just can't help it. That's who I am. And when I hear about a group of people sitting down on the side of a hill in the grass and eating, it's a picnic. I don't know what you want to call it, but it's a picnic. And that's exactly what takes place here in the sixth chapter of the Gospel of John. It's a picnic. The people are there. They've been listening to Jesus, and now they're getting ready to eat. And so they just break out what they have there, and you know the miracle. And they have a picnic. In just a few minutes, we're going to have another picnic. 
And I believe the miracle that occurs here in the Gospel of John has great bearing over the miracle that we're going to see at the picnic today. A miracle that is continuing, but a miracle that today will take shape in a whole new and wonderful way as we begin to visualize and see what God has for us. Now, there's several things in this story that need to be said in order to put it in a frame of reference. First of all, there was a throng of people. The scene is on the eastern shore of the Sea of Galilee. Here it's called the Tiberias Sea. Herod Antipas had founded a city on the western shore, and he named it for Emperor Tiberius. Herod had, as the story continues, Herod had murdered John the Baptist. And because of that, there was a group of people that were close to Jesus that wanted him to lead a revolt. Aren't you glad this is in the book? These folks wanted somebody to cloud up and rain on somebody. They've done this to John the Baptist. Jesus, get a group together. Let's take over. Well, that's not how he's going to do it, nor was it the time to do anything. And so because of that and because of the pressure and the, the, the uproar that was happening in the group that were around him, Jesus kind of vacates the area and he goes to the less populated side of the Sea of Galilee. He gets away from the city area and he goes to the other side, to the eastern shore. There, he's going to recluse himself a little bit, but what happens is the crowd follows him. They travel around the sea or across the sea. I don't know how they got there, but when he gets to the other side, they're there too. And so he goes up onto a, a sloped area. Today it's called the Golan Heights. He goes up to this area and because the people had followed him, the people are so wanting a miracle to happen in their own lives because many of the miracles that had taken place were physical miracles dealing with disease and blindness and all of this. And the people wanted more of that. So Jesus takes an opportunity to teach them because the crowd has followed him for miracles. And Jesus has a chance to talk to them about the miracle that really occurs that's greater than any physical miracle. The miracle that takes place in the heart when a person receives Jesus Christ as personal Lord and Savior. And so Jesus begins to teach. And if you read the parallel accounts, you'll find out this goes on for some time. And because of that, the scope of the problem gets huge. I'm sure the disciples are, are thinking as they look at their watch. <laughs> they didn't have watches. But as they were looking at it, they were thinking, this has gone on a long time. I'm sure the crowd began to be a little restless. I'm sure the kids were worn out. The scope of the problem is that there are 5,000 men, and I've been around long enough. If there's 5,000 men, there's going to be some ladies there somewhere. And if there's ladies and men there, there's going to be children. So the size of the crowd is somewhat immaterial as to the fact of the miracle, but the miracle was an amazing miracle where 5, 8, 10, 12, 15,000 people are there on a mountainside listening to Jesus speak to them all day long. If you look at the parallel accounts in Luke 9 verse 12, Mark 6 verse 35, Matthew 14 verse 15, you'll find out that the day was waning. It was getting over toward evening time. 
and the people were hungry. Jesus starts a conversation with Philip. Philip is the CPA in the group. So Jesus starts with him, the analytical one, the one who has to make everything fit. And Jesus says something to him to prove him, to test him, because Jesus already knew what he was going to do. This did not take him by surprise. He knew what he was going to do. So he says, Philip, when shall we buy bread that these may eat? And Philip says, 200 penny worth of bread is not sufficient for them that every one of them might take a little. He's analyzed the situation. He stands there and looks at the crowd. Here's 8,000, 10,000 people, ever how many it is. And he does a mathematical calculation. Tick, 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 tick. Back in this day, you worked for a penny a day. So an annual wage was around 300 pennies. And so he says here, 200, it will take 200 to feed a crowd like this. Now let's translate that into today's language. Florida Trend Magazine says that the average wage in Florida today per person, the average, is $50,000. That may be high, it may be low. That's what Florida Trend said. You can argue with them. I don't know. If, if what we're reading here translates into that, and that would be 300 penny worth, then how much is it going to take to have this picnic? 33,000 dollars. That's two-thirds of the 50,000. I don't know what we're spending today, but I don't think it's 35,000 dollars. I hope it's not 35,000 dollars. <laughs> if it is, you've got a lot of hot dogs to eat, folks, I'm telling you. My point is, this was a huge problem. This is not an incidental miracle. This is not just something that you read about in primary school and run right on past it into the big time stuff. $35,000 to have this, this picnic, to have these folks fed so that they all might have just a little bitty bit. Well, while Philip is analyzing the situation, the stage is set for a miracle. Because what is the point? What is the point that Andrew is making, or Philip is making? Andrew's over here working on it. What is Philip saying? Philip is saying to feed this group of people, it's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. It, it, it ain't going to happen. We don't have enough money. We don't have enough time. We don't have enough anything to take care of this. And any conversation about trying to feed this crowd, to have this picnic, is absolutely ridiculous. End of question. Now we're ready for a miracle. You see, when it gets to be ridiculous, that's when God's activated. When we don't understand it. Years ago, I told Les this this week. Years ago, I got a chance to meet Dr. Criswell in Dallas. I was serving a church in Texas, and we were in the top 50 churches growing in Texas out of 6,000 churches, and boy, we were really doing something good. And so I got in to uh, see the, the great, great Dr. W.A. Criswell, and, and he was so kind, so patient with a young Turk. And so we were sitting there talking. He was asking me about the church, and I was telling him about this and that. 
and I was explaining to him our plans, and we had all these plans, and I had schemes and diagrams, and I had flow charts, and I had budgets, and I had it all figured out, and I was explaining it to him. When he got through, he looked at me, and he said, Young man, if you can figure out how it's all going to work, your plans are too small. I said, Yes, sir. That's right. I don't know why I'm doing this anyway. If we can figure it out, where's God? What, what's taking place here is Philip said, there's no way this can happen. The scope of the problem is too big for us. God says, good. I already know what I'm going to do. So the scope of the problem is in verses 6 through 7. The smallness of the provision starts in verse 8. Philip's adding it all up. Andrew's out trying to find somebody to talk to about the Messiah. You always find Philip out in the crowd. He's not trying to add up anything. He's just trying to multiply the church. Amen? He's in multiplication. We're in addition so, Andrew finds this, this lad, and he has five barley loaves. Now, a barley loaf is what the poor ate. It's coarse. It's tough. It's rough. It's the least. It's not the wheat-enriched, whole wheat, good stuff. <laughs> it, it, it's the, the bad stuff. And you just ate it to be filled. Five barley loaves and two sardines. I added that in. I just, well, it's two small fishes. These are not catfish, folks. These are little bitty fishes. And I'm thinking it's a picnic. You had sardines. I don't know. But again, I'm a country boy. So they had five of these coarse, coarse bread and two small, small fish. I've often wondered about the mother of that child. The morning that he was getting ready to leave and she prepared lunch for him, never knowing that forever that lunch would be memorialized as a step of faith. Can you imagine the pride in the mother? For that little boy to give up his lunch. I mean, he's probably hungry, the little fellow. But he gave it up. He gave it up willingly that it might be used and blessed. So the scope of the problem is gigantic. There's no way. The smallness of the provision is almost laughable. But this is where I want our focus to shift this morning just a little bit. Because if we're not careful... And, and there's nothing wrong with it. But we tend to focus on the outcome of the story and not the process. Now, I don't want to diminish the outcome. They were all filled, overflowing, full. <laughs> they had plenty and plenty left. Don't, don't misunderstand. I'm not dis discounting that. But that's the end result. How did he do it? How did Jesus distribute, multiply, enlarge, every way you want to put it into words, how did he do it? 
This is where you have to stay with me now. Very, very close. Pull up close and listen. When Jesus was here on planet earth, he never ceased to be God. Although he was man, he never ceased to be God. But now listen to me very carefully. The things that he did when he was here, he didn't do in the power that he had inherently as the Son of God. He didn't pull rank on us. How do I know that? Because the Bible tells us. In John chapter 5, verse 19, Then answered Jesus and said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Now listen to this. This is astonishing. The Son can do nothing of Himself. But what He seeth the Father do, for what things soever He doeth, these also doeth the Son likewise. If you miss it, look at verse 30. I can of mine own self do nothing. How did He do what He did? Not because He was the Son of God. He never ceased to be the Son of God. But what he did here, the miracle that he does here, he did because he abided in the Heavenly Father. And whatever the Heavenly Father told him to do, that's what he did. Whatever the Heavenly Father told him, elsewhere it says, some of the folks said, we don't like the way you're talking. He said, I'm just speaking what I've heard. <laughs> been talking to the Father, and I've just been saying, you know, you know what our problem is today? We're listening to the wrong people. We need to listen to God and then just speak what God says and step out of the conversation. So he says, what I'm doing, I'm doing not in the power I have as God in flesh, but because I abide in the Father. Now let me put it a different way. What he did, he did as a man. Did, did you hear what I said? What he did... He did as a man, abiding in the Father. You see, Jesus Christ, and oh, this is going to go a little deep now. Stay with me. Jesus Christ came not only to be your Savior, but to be the example of who you are to be in God. We are, quote, Christians. You know what that means? Christ-like. We're to look like Jesus Christ. So Jesus is our Savior. Yes, yes, yes. But He's also our example. Our example of how to live life. And I'm here to tell you that if you'll let Jesus Christ be in and through you what God the Father was to Jesus Christ, then Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit through you will do what God the Father did for Jesus Christ. I can't say that. I hope you got it the first time. He's our example. We're to be Christ-like. And he abided in the Father. And because of that, he was able to have a miracle at a picnic. The scope of the problem, it's overwhelming. It's ridiculous. There's no way we can feed all these people. And the smallest of the provision, God takes the course the cheap, the insignificant. God takes sardines and has a banquet. That's the God who's providing your needs and my needs.
by his riches and glory by Jesus Christ. So, the problem, it's huge. The smallest of the provision, I don't see how that's going to work. But I want you to then see the supply that was provided. There was enough and there was room to spare. Look at verse 12. And when they were filled, that's in contradistinction to verse 7. Oh, we want them to just have a little bit. When they were filled, he said unto his disciples, Gather up the fragments that remain, that nothing be lost. Nothing be lost. You see, even when omnipotence spreads the table, God takes no pleasure in waste. Let me tell you something that I believe in my heart. I'm just the interim pastor and I'm just one of you, but I believe this in my heart. This church has been waiting 16, almost 17 years to get on that property. We right now are making plans to do that. Today you're going to see for the first time the outline of the buildings. You'll be able to stand there and go, boy, that's bigger than I thought it was. What's that one going to be? And, and this is first, that's second, that's third. Okay, wow, wow, okay. And we're going to have pictures. You can look at it and say, that's, kind of, that's what it's going to look like. That's what the architect's drawing it up and said, that's going to be sitting there in just a few months, right there. Now, that ought to float your boat, folks. You've been waiting 16 years for this day. That ought to promote a miracle at a picnic. But let me tell you what I think is going to happen in my heart of hearts. I believe you're going to respond. And I believe God's hand's going to work. That we're going to be able to start the second building sooner than we thought. Now, I could be wrong, but I don't think I am. Because you see, the fragments left over are not going to be wasted. We're going to use them. And we're going to have more when we get through than what we started with. I believe that. If it's God's will, why would we not think he'll pay for it? You think God says, I want to lead you to build this? Boy, you're not going to be able to pay for it. Or you're going to have to sweat bullets on this one. I believe your faithfulness, and I believe circumstances are going to work to where for 16, 17 years you've been waiting, and I kept thinking it's going to kind of come together like this. <laughs> Folks, it's coming together like this. Because what we're doing is almost impossible. I do a little church consultation on the side. You know what the biggest problem I have in going to churches and helping them in consultation roles is for them to see where they are now. It is very difficult. They do not see where they are to now. They think they see where they were in 1950. They said 1950. 
And it takes moving mountains for them to understand where they are today. You folks did that 16 years ago. We've been getting ready to get to the starting line for 16 years. And you don't have to be convinced of anything. You already know it. Let's just do it. And how are we going to do it? We're going to do it because we're going to plan decently in order. Because the scope is bigger than what we can do. God's going to supply. If you notice the story, what Jesus did was very simple. And it's what we do today because he's our example. He took what was given to him. He thanked the Father. And then he distributed it. What are we going to do? We're going to take what we've been given. Do you realize most of you are rich compared to the world? Walk through the parking lot. We don't have horse and carriages in the parking lot. Most of us have on clothes today, although it's very casual. We have on clothes today. Most of us will eat well here in about 35 minutes. That's when I'm going to start eating. I don't know when y'all are going to start eating. (laughs) We are blessed. We are blessed. So we take what's been distributed to us. We give thanks to God for all the blessings he's given us. And my soul look around at the blessings. And he does the distribution. You don't even have to worry with that. He'll distribute it. He'll put it here. He'll put it there. He'll put it over here. He'll take care of this, take care of that. All we have to do is bring what we have and thank him and let him take care of the rest of it. In the Bible, in the sixth chapter of John, there's a miracle that occurs at a picnic. Here in just a little bit, we're going to go out and have a picnic. And you're going to be able to stand there and look around Say, this is a miracle. And in a few months, you're going to be able to walk into a miracle. As my old friend Jerry Clower used to say, ain't God good? Ain't God good? Yes, he is. Miracle at the picnic. I can't hardly wait. And it's not because of the hot dogs. Folks, when you get out there, look around. Faith is fast becoming sight. Let's bow in prayer. Heavenly Father, this is a marvelous, marvelous story. Thank you, thank you, thank you for preserving it in the Bible for us today. A notable miracle, one of the seven great sign miracles in the Gospel of John to prove that he is the Christ, the Son of the living God. But within the miracle, the fact that Jesus did this as a man, completely, totally abiding in the Heavenly Father, and the miracle occurred. Today on this side of the cross, we're in Christ. And we have the Holy Spirit in us. And so what we do today is we abide in Christ and we allow the Spirit of God through us to do that which brings honor and glory to God. And we can be a part of a miracle. 
We can be a part of a miracle because we are a miracle. And miracles replicate miracles in the Christian life. So Lord, I pray today, thank you for the good weather that I think we'll have. I pray the rain holds off. Our normal Florida afternoon showers, I pray that we'll have a time there to be able to walk around and look at what is happening, what's going to happen, what is happening. We can enjoy the fellowship, but more than anything else, we can thank you for the privilege that we have to be a part of this. Now, before we close, if there's someone here who's never trusted Christ as personal Savior and Lord, I want to give opportunity for that. All they have to do is say a simple yes to that prompting in their heart by the Holy Spirit that Christ paid their sin debt, and by simply receiving it, they can be brought into the kingdom of God, a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Maybe there are those visiting today and they didn't even come prepared to go to a picnic, but they just came to go to church. And somehow in their heart of hearts, they know today this is where they need to be. I pray that you'd give them as a love gift to this church, that they might come and join us so that we might be stronger in the efforts that we make in the coming weeks and months and so that they, through us, might grow and be more Christ-like. Maybe there are other decisions that don't need to be shared. Folks just need to come and kneel at the altar. We thank you for the privilege of doing that. So during our invitation hymn, may we follow the prompting of your spirit in our heart and simply obey whatever you say to do. The answer is always yes. Yes, Lord. Bless now the invitation time. For I ask it for Christ's sake.